Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, otherwise known as a strolling astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you do enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5 you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and one year's membership to the ALPL. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. If you would like to join the ALPL, you can for as little as $18 a year. For more information, you can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And also, yes, this podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode of the Observer's Notebook. Today, episode 68. It's that time of year again. It's a meteor shower, and that must mean Bob Lunsford. Let's bring him in. All right, welcome back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. Uh, today we have, uh, for the seventh time on the podcast, Bob Lunsford. Welcome back, Bob. Well, thank you very much. We've got a real interesting shower to discuss tonight, the Ada Aquarius. Uh, this might be the strongest shower no one's ever seen, maybe besides the Quadranids. What do, what do you uh, mean by no one's ever seen? Uh, well, it's only visible from about 3 a.m. on. So uh, if you go far enough north, it's light at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> this is and, true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most po- folks can handle midnight or something, but when you're talking about the old 3 a.m. alarm, that's, that's tough. But uh, believe me, it's well worth it. And it's the strongest display visible in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's their highlight of the year. Okay. What are the dates of it? It's actually active right now at maybe one an hour, okay. and it'll peak on, you know, actually it'll peak around, let's say, May 7th. Okay. Uh, this is one of the showers that have a plateau-like uh, peak, uh, not not a sharp one like, like the Perseids. So for a week centered on uh, May 7th, every night will be, be fine to, to watch this shower. 
Okay. And it'll continue throughout the, the month of May. One uh, uh, advantageous thing for this year, we have a new moon right around that time. I believe oh, it's fantastic. the fifth. So the moon moonlight will not be a factor this year. Okay. And you you mentioned three o'clock in the morning. Is that just when the, the constellation is rising or right? The the radiance located sixty degrees west of the sun. So it will it will rise before the sun. And uh, for most people that'll be roughly two thirty to three uh, in in that time frame. And uh, you actually can see uh, meteors when the when the radiant is either just below or right above the horizon. These are what we'll call earth grazers, and uh, they're beautiful meteors. They'll they'll shoot half the sky or maybe three quarters of the length of the sky, and uh, they just look like little needles shooting upward from the eastern horizon. So it's really spectacular. Great. Now, uh, how br- how bright are these? Uh, it's the full range. Uh, actually, you won't see many fireballs, but a lot of them will be as bright as the brightest stars. So very easy to see and uh, very notable. You, you, you can't mistake an Ada Aquarian meteor with any others because, like I said, it shoots upward from the eastern horizon, and they're very swift. They're almost yeah, hitting the earth at a head-on direction, so they're very, very fast. Great. And what are, the, are there any special characteristics besides that, this meteor shower? Well, it should be uh, told that these are remnants of Halley's Comet. Oh. That, kind of, that kind of makes them special. Okay. And Halley's Comet actually encounters the Earth twice, uh, once on its inbound leg and once on its outbound. The inbound leg, we plow through those uh, debris fields in October, which produces the Orionids. Okay. And like the Eta Aquarius, the Orionids have a plateau-like peak centered on October 22nd. Okay, six months or so later, we encounter the outbound particles of Halley's Comet, which are the Eta Aquarius. Now, there's a lot of comets in the sky. Why, why does Halley's have one that, that produces two meteor showers? Well, it's... Just, just the, the the angle of the orbit and everything. It it just happens to be, you know, when it crosses the Earth, uh, it just well, it it's, it just happens to be near one uh, astronomical unit at at both both times. Okay, so we're very lucky. It's not perfect. It's a little above our orbit, uh, inward, and actually pretty darn close to to zero uh, on the outbound. So, but uh, you got to remember too. Every time Halley Comet passes through the solar system it's a slightly different orbit Mm -hmm. and the current orbit of Halley's comics actually doesn't pass close enough to produce any meteors but the ones we're seeing now go back a thousand two thousand years really really that's amazing yeah and they're still getting disturbed by jupiter so we kind of have a 12-year periodicity in here we're kind of about halfway through the current one so uh the the uh, stream is picking up and we're looking toward the early uh 2020s to have uh some really intense activity you know not storm but uh some darn good uh, ZHRs near uh, 100 per hour so so you can actually track the the the, the rate of meteors through the years. That's that's very true, right. And we have we have good records the last 20 or 30 years, and we've noticed that 12-year uh, periodicity. Interesting. I, I did not know that. 
Yeah, actually, Jupiter, that big beast, uh, he messes with a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of comet and meteor streams. Uh, sometimes for the good, sometimes yes. for the bad. It helps uh, us out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and actually, for the Perseids, it, it pushes Perseid particles closer to the Earth every twelve years. So that's that's a, a plus. It, oh, wow. Now, yeah. is this a meteor shower that you need to be in a dark, dark site to see? Well, that? every meteor shower, you, you should be <laughs> in a dark, dark sky. But it certainly helps. Um, I've seen up to 33 an hour from the shower from 33 degrees north latitude, wow. which is you know, where near San Diego. Right, right. Um, of course, I was observing in the mountains east of San Diego. So if you're closer to home, maybe five to 10. If you're in a rural situation, maybe 15 to 20. It, it all depends. It, light is, is a big problem. So the, you know, the fainter stars you can see, the more meteors you'll see. So you're, you're thinking then like from May 5th through the 8th would be a good time in the early mornings, that time period. You know, that, that, that first week of May is perfect. Uh, okay. Because of the moon, and, and and actually, this the second week because it's the seventh lights right in the middle there. So you know, as long as the moon is is below the horizon and not bothering you, that that's a great time to do it. Okay, yeah. Most so, of the meteor showers we talk about, there's like a one or two day period. Right, you know that that spike effect. Right, right. That's that's because the uh, the showers are narrow or young. This is an old comet, been around a long time, and we're passing through numerous. Uh, you know, streamlets of, of particles. So that that's one reason why it lasts, you know, uh, a month and a half. And one reason the maximum lasts uh, a solid week. Huh. So uh, very interesting. It's, it's fascinating. And uh, you'll never forget these meteors because, like I said, uh, they, they can't uh, be mistaken for anything else. Okay. Now, for listeners that haven't heard you before, talk about how we go about observing a meteor shower. Can you just briefly explain that? Well, sure. The main thing is to be comfortable. Don't walk outside and stand and expect to see a lot of activity. You know, your neck's going to get tired and uh, you just be, be fatigued in no time. And we got to remember that all showers have peaks and valleys of activity. If you're out there only 15, 20 minutes, you might have happened to time that with a, with a valley and be really disappointed. So we recommend everybody try to, to watch for at least an hour. So for an hour being out there, get yourself a nice, comfortable lounge chair and a pillow. And This is my favorite part of, of <laughs> your showers, I got to tell you. I didn't say a beer. No. <laughs> That'll put you to sleep. A hot chocolate. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, yeah, get nice and snuggled up and comfortable and look about halfway up in the east. And... Uh, if your skies are nice and clear, you will see these meteors shoot upward. Now, what type of observations would you like people to report to you on? Well, we we would like hourly reports of how many they see an hour. Um, if at all possible, count the uh, random meteors too, because not all of them are going to be eight Aquarius. You're going to have slow ones that come from the west or across your your field of view from right to left or left to right, those will not be eight Aquarius. The eight Aquarius will shoot upward. And by the way, uh, on the night of maximum activity, there'll be the radius located right near the water jar or recently more known as the peace sign in Aquarius. <laughs> so uh, it looks like a little, little uh, peace sign there. And 
that uh, that rises at three o'clock, and it'll be about uh, thirty to forty degrees high by the time it gets light. So, uh, fairly high in the in the eastern sky, and uh, people and people in the south uh, southern hemisphere can actually see some meteors shooting downward. It'll, it'll get it'll get high enough. Most of ours will be either shooting out of the radiant to the right or left or straight up. Because but, the constellation is closer to the horizon for us. That that is correct. That is correct. Okay. So, yeah, hourly counts, and uh, try to you know uh, categorize each meteor you see. If you want, you can make a magnitude estimate. That always helps. Now, what do you mean uh, categorize? Well, we we like to know how many uh, random meteors you see, okay. how how many Ada Aquarius. That way, we can co- uh, compare. What you saw is somebody else. And uh, another important factor of that is your limiting magnitude. Or give us a real good description of your, of your sky. Uh, you know, the limiting magnitude usually ranges from five to six for, for, for most people. If you're downtown, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're observing in really poor conditions and you can't see anything brighter than fourth magnitude, we can take your observations, but a real, real uh, heavy correction uh, has to be put on that. And it doesn't uh, really give us uh, exact uh, results. So we'd like to have you observe in a dark sky, you know, as dark as possible. So we can actually take your data without any corrections. Okay. So noting, if they are Aquarian meteors, right, or not, or not, you want both. You want both, and how many you see in an hour? So that's basically, you know, be outside. Just plan for an hour for your observation in a comfy lounge chair with a blanket and hot there chocolate. You <laughs> and, and you don't need binoculars for this. You don't. No, want not at all. Not at all. These are all naked eye objects that you want to do, and note the dimmest star you can see in the area. Right. Okay. Right. And then sky that, conditions. If you have clouds and things like that as well. Right. If if the if it gets more than half half cloudy, you should just log off and, and take a break until it, it clears up. So, um, and and even if you have to quit, the, the next night might be just as good. Uh, that's one That'll good be the thing. nice thing about this. Yeah, it goes for a period of nights. Right, right. So, uh, you know, if if you guys can get out and, and see the shower, it'll it'll be well worth it. Okay. I I have a bunch of comrades in the uh, southern hemisphere, and they're really excited. Uh, <laughs> they they've been writing to me, and uh, they're they're all gung ho to share their stuff. So we're gonna maybe have a nice article for for the ALPO to you know give a give a really good view because you know the the view we have in the northern hemisphere is pretty muted. Mm. Uh, the the thirty three that I saw was was the best I've ever had. Most okay. of the time, most of the time is like twenty. So okay. even, 20, even, 20 even, in an hour. 20 in an hour, yeah. And right now, it's only like one an hour. As we approach May, get in toward the 7th, it will rapidly increase. So, But, uh, but down down there, uh, it actually stays darker because they're, they're approaching their winter solstice now. So it'll stay darker, okay. uh, longer for them. And uh, the actually, the, the angle of the uh, radiant, is pretty much similar. It just goes up toward the northwest instead of the, I'm sorry, yeah, in the northeast instead of the northwest. So that that doesn't change much. Okay. Uh, are there other meteor showers that we should look forward to in the future? Um, nothing 
uh, actually, 2019 is a pretty poor year for meteor showers. Uh, we do have the Delta Aquarius, which is another long, uh, long shower that's fairly, uh, fairly strong. It's this is another one that's situated south of the equator, which which is better seen from the southern hemisphere. It peaks uh, around July 30th and maybe produces 15 to 20 for the northern hemisphere and probably 25 to 30 for the southern. Oh, wow. So it's it's a good show from there. And after that, the Perseids, they peak within maybe two days of the full moon this year. Oh, that's too so, bad. So um, I, I wouldn't tell you not to watch them because you may see only 20 an hour. But 20 an hour compared to most nights of the year is pretty darn good. Hmm. So, you know, the one night of maximum, even with a full moon, heck, put the moon at your back and give it a shot. (laughs) Now, every time a comet comes through, a new comet comes through the sky, would it necessarily generate a meteor shower? Uh, Only if it passes close to the Earth. Okay. Um, I I know they've, they've done a few... And the last one I really did that with this one in 1983, um, Iris Arecki Alcock. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Comet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a spectacular comet, and it did actually pass pretty close to Earth. And uh, we finally figured out that that was producing meteors at the same time as the eight Aquarians, but from the constellation of Lyra. So, yeah. so we finally figured out what was causing these meteors from Lyra by the comet showing up. So now on everybody's meteor shower list, you'll see the Ada, Ada Lyrids. <laughs> it just happens to come <laughs> to radiate from the, from the, the star Ada Lyra. Okay. So that's why it's just not everything's Ada, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's a weaker shower. It only produces... Uh, Maybe three to five an hour, uh, an hour at best. But uh, that's 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 we're we're in kind of a lull now, um, mainly uh, other than that and the uh, Aquarians. Nothing okay. much. June is really a, a a dry month, and even the first half of July, it's when those Aquarians, uh, Delta Aquarians, start kicking in late July, and and the sporadic start really ramping up. Yeah. Now, a few episodes ago, I had Brian Kudnick on to talk about the meteor strike that happened to- during the total lunar eclipse. Right. Now, this the moon's going to be near new for this eclipse, correct? That's true, yes. So, is there times when you think we might be able to, you know, see uh, strikes when it's, you know, when I, the moon is I, I away would, from the sun? I would think that when the moon when the moon is a, a, a waning uh, crescent in the morning sky, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, it may be in the in the you know in the, in the line of fire. Um, Might be a good opportunity to train yeah. the telescope while you're out there counting meteors. Put a video camera on your yeah. Tel- there you go. There you go. Uh, I'm not exactly up on uh, you know exact angles of right, how right. things things should be, but it no it will encounter uh, Aquarian meteors. There's no doubt about it. So. But uh, I would think with the moon in the morning sky would be a better opportunity than uh, after it passes new and comes into the evening sky. Yeah. So those of you that are looking for a couple projects to do during the lunar eclipse, (laughs) set your telescope up, let it go on autopilot with a little video camera on, and you can sit back in a lounge chair with a hot hot chocolate and count meteors. 
For sure. For that's, sure. Sounds like a fun night. Now, are you going to be out there for how many nights do you think you'll be out there observing this? Uh, you know, as many nights as, as it's clear. Uh, okay. Believe me. Uh, we've had kind of a stormy year here in California. Mm-hmm. And when it's not stormy, uh, we have high clouds from the storms passing up near Washington. That's so uh, it uh, hasn't been too good. So I'm really bite the bullet to get out there and, and then count some meteors. So the, uh, I'm actually going to be out for the Lyrids, even though they're moon this year, but uh, I'll give it, if it's clear the morning of the 23rd, I'll give it a try. Okay. And, uh, every night possible for the eight Aquarius. Okay. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we shut this down? No, um, actually, uh, this is going to be one of the highlights of the year. So okay. I, I, I wouldn't pass it up. Highly recommend it. Yeah, as as I said, the second half of the year, the full moon happens to uh, fall on the peaks of most of the other showers. But, uh, Tim, I think we can get together for the uh, South Delta Aquarius and discuss that one. It's uh, it's an interesting shower. Okay. We don't ac- actually know the source, such as Halley, but... Uh, and what month is that? That'll be July, so... Okay, uh, all right. We can get together and have a chat about that. That, that sounds great. All righty. Good chatting with you. Yeah. And how can everybody get a hold of you? Oh, my email address, mm-hmm. L-U-N-R-O dot I-M-O dot U-S-A at Cox dot net. Or you can go to the uh, ALPO website and find me on there. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast for the seventh time, bud. Hey, my pleasure. I look forward to the eighth. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Bob Lunsford for, again, coming on and talking about meteor showers with us. He's a great interview. And please, everybody get out there uh, the first week of May or in the early morning and look for the meteors. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you will receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, for his generous support of the Observer's Notebook. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.